0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Yeah, so my name's Thomas. I'm a senior here at Louisiana Tech. Justin kind of gave me a little introduction, which was awesome, and this whole thing is just very kind of him to do. Uh, I came and asked him. I was like, hey, I'm thinking about all these things, and I don't know, like, I don't know if ministry is something that I'm called to. I, I love a whole lot. I love Jesus with all I got, right? That's a good thing. I also love people, I enjoy speaking. Hopefully, I'm good at it. I guess we'll find out here shortly. Hopefully, nobody will fall asleep or anything like that. But I also like math. I love math, actually, which I'm sure not too many other people in here do. I don't know. Usually, people act disgusted when I say that. I also like computer science, teaching, children, camp, all of this I love. And I'm like, God, I don't know what, what you want me to do with this. So Justin gave me this opportunity, and I'm very thankful for it to kind of test the waters. And this is kind of fun for you guys, too. You get to play a little bit. In my calling here, you can come up to me after the sermon, I'd appreciate this, and say, Hey, brother, Thomas, I hope you're better at math than you are at teaching, brother, because you you need to stick to it or something like that, right? But anyway, enough about that. I want to tell you guys a little bit about myself in high school, right? In high school, I wasn't a believer, and I had all these feelings and emotions I didn't know how to deal with, right? I was angry and bitter and, and just sad, depressed, and the way that I would try to deal with it is listening to music, right? I would listen to these feelsy songs to kind of make me feel like better or more sad. I don't know how that stuff works, but I would listen to Bruno Mars's When I Was Your Man. That would work real well. Or I'd listen to Ed Sheeran. I don't know why the dude does this, but I love singing about like dead parents or dead grandparents. I don't, I don't get it, but I loved it because it made me feel sad and stuff. Post Malone was great. Uh, I was a big fan if I was feeling edgy of Panic at the Disco, but if you wanted to make me cry, like get the tissues out kind of cry. It was when she loved me. I don't know who it's by, I don't know who sings it, but it's the one in Toy Story 2 where they're (laughs) spinning Jesse or the cowgirl around. Instant tears, like it just got, got to me. But the reason why I had these feelings of anger and sadness and doubt and stuff like that was because I had this plan for my life. I said, you know, I'm gonna do this and then that and then this, but the thing was it wasn't working. It was all just crumbling around me, and, and that left me in a state of despair and loneliness and anger and just generally not, not a good vibe, right? And I don't know if you guys have felt this before. I don't know if some of you guys are feeling this right now, but uh, that was something that I was struggling with. And it, it really kind of culminated on this February night, my senior year. I'd been trying to get into this college and I put so much of my self-worth in this, right? I said, man, if I get into this college, people will look at me and say, wow, Thomas is so smart. Or if I'd gone to this college, the girl would say, Thomas, I was wrong. I shouldn't have left. Or if I'd gone to this college, people are going to say, wow, Thomas is doing something with his life. He's going to make St. Mary's County proud. St. Mary's County, like, come on, no, you all even know what that is. But, um, But the thing was, I didn't get into this. So all these selfish goals of mine were just by the wayside. And I remember this February night, I was on my knees and just crying, punching the ground, like complete Kyle energy, but just like punching the ground in tears. I remember I said, God, you can't be doing this to me. I've worked too hard for this. Not a single B, all of high school. All these APs, I killed it. ACT, I did awesome. Track, I did great. Lacrosse, I did great. God, you can't be doing this. I was even nice to the weird kids, God. You're, I don't know what happened, but something isn't right, and you need to fix it. Right? It's kind of it's pathetic looking at it now. You're like, you hey, God, I was in NHS. You, did you see that? Right? But... But the thing was, of course, I didn't have a right relationship with God because my understanding of God was completely wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I thought God could be wrong. I thought God could let things fall through the cracks. And why would I want to serve a God who could make mistakes and mess up when I could just as well do that and I could do what I wanted while, while doing that process, right? So that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about here is how we can't have the right relationship with God without the right understanding of God. And you might say, Hey, Thomas, 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 I've been a believer since grade school. I'm good. I understand who God is and all this stuff. And that's great. And I'm not denying that. But what I am saying is this, that your understanding of God can be wrestled with and, and it can be stretched and pulled and maybe little holes can be poked here and there. And it'll work and it'll hurt your relationship with God. And that's who we're going to dive into. This, this man who we're about to dive into here, He had a great relationship with God, like he knew God, yet his understanding was still pulled and it did end up damaging it, right? So we're going to be talking about Job, so if you guys want to flip to Job, that's the book right before Psalms, the Psalms, right? Um, And we'll be in 31 for a little bit here, but just a little background on Job. Job was a righteous man and God blessed him for it right? I would argue so much so that Job was probably the most Christ-like person who walked this earth besides Jesus Christ himself. We can talk about it later if you want, but God blessed him so much. He gave him health. He gave him plenty of land and plenty of livestock. He gave him a family. He gave him a wife. He gave him status. People listening to Job. Job was the man, right? And so one day, saint came up to God, and he was like, God, Of course Job likes you. You give him whatever he wants. Like, who wouldn't like you? But if you let me have Adam, you let me, you know, start taking things away, we'll see how much he actually is about that God stuff. And God said, all right, have Adam. Just don't kill him. And so that's exactly what Satan did. He, he wreaked havoc on Job's life. He, he In a tragic accident, Job lost all his children. His wife essentially left him. She said, curse God and die, and then dipped out of there. He lost all his livestock, his land. People wouldn't listen to him anymore. And Job is left here mourning. Oh, his health wasn't even there either. He had boils from the crown of his head to the balls of his feet. Literally, the only piece of his body that was like left intact was his gums, and most historians think that Satan left his gums there so that he could enunciate and say properly, I curse God and I turn to die, right? Fun fact, this is extracurricular, uh, you know, for bonus points or whatever, but that's where we get the phrase, got by the skin of his teeth. That's in Job 19, right? And that's actually talking about the gums, most people believe. Anyway, that's app. I don't actually know what that word means, app, It's some you Cajun folk say, I don't even, whatever, moving on, but Job is left here mourning, and he has three friends, and his three friends did so great at first, they were just mourning with him for a whole week, didn't even talk, but after this week passed by, they started to try to fix Job's problem, and they said, hey Job, hey man, I'm sorry about all this, is there, is there like some secret sin in your life that, you know, maybe you didn't repent of, and Job said, no, 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 I promise you, there's nothing like that. And Job's friends weren't necessarily the biggest fan of being told they were wrong, right? So they said, their pride got a little involved and they said, Okay, Job, alright. We'll ask again because we kind of know how God works. You do good things and you get blessed. You do bad things and you get punished. So we'll ask once more, Is there, is there any secret sin in your life that you need to repent of? And Job said, No! I promise you, there's Nothing. And this this back and forth keeps going and going, them asking and Job denying. And and eventually, Job is kind of pinned against the wall here. Figuratively, they didn't actually pin him up against the wall, but he's kind of pinned against this wall in Job 19.25, and he says, he cries out, he says, For I know, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, he will stand upon the earth. That's Job saying, I know you guys don't get me. I know you guys think I'm lying, but God sees me. And he knows. And that is, that is the perfect understanding. That was so great of Job to have. But after he did that, he was kind of thinking a little bit. He was like, yeah, hold up. I, I didn't do anything wrong. He starts pushing against his friends some. And he's like, hold up. Why is this stuff happening to me? What is God doing? Doesn't he remember who I am? And he kind of gets to this point right here that we're about to jump into Job 31. And we see this wrong understanding of God that Job has. And so that's what we're going to dive into here. Job 31, verses 35 through 37. It reads, Oh, that I had one to hear me. Here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. Oh, that I had the indictment written by my adversary. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it on me as a crown. I would give him an account of all my steps. And like a prince, I would approach him. That's what Job's saying there. First first part of his wrong understanding, he saw God as his adversary. He saw God as the one who turned his back. He saw God as the one who brought all these terrible things onto him. And that wasn't the case. Job didn't know all the things that were going on behind the scenes. He didn't know that this was Satan doing all of this stuff, right? Second misunderstanding of God was that Job became self-righteous Job forgot his place in the grand scheme of things. And he said, God, I don't know if you forgot. I don't know if you're sleeping. But remember who I am. Remember of the good things that I've done. He said, let the Almighty answer me. Hey, God, listen up. I need some answers. He said, I would bind my works on me like a crown. And I would approach him like a prince. Let me tell you, not a single person will be approaching God like a prince on judgment day. But Job thought he was, and that's another fault in his understanding. He completely lost sight of the grand scheme of things here, right? And so you might be like, oh, that's great, Thomas. What is the right understanding then? And so we're going to flip to Job 38 here. And a little more background on Job 38. Elihu, this is this fourth friend, sort of, and he's kind of just like shows up, and he starts rebuking everybody, and it's, like, super long-winded, and you're like, Elihu, this is the fourth quarter of Job that we're dealing with here, brother. Like, just, just shut up and go, bro. Like, everything that's been said has been said, kind of. Um, but as Elihu's finishing up, this big whirlwind comes behind him. And this whirlwind is the presence of God, and God comes to answer Job. Answer Job to why. Why is this happening? So that's, that's the context behind Job 38. And I will say that I'm going to be reading all of Job 38 here. And don't freak out like, oh my gosh, this dude's better read a whole chapter. It is a lengthy chapter, but it's not like I'm gonna keep you all here all night going through every single verse and what the Hebrew is behind all of that. Like it'll it'll be a relatively like it's a it's a simple chapter to understand and it is beautiful and it makes you see God and how mighty He is. And so I just wanna encourage you guys, the words will be on the screen, but I wanna encourage you to if you brought your Bible, like take it out and really follow along and focus on it because it is so important. Whenever the word of God is opened, great things happen. So let's, let's just focus up because this is, this is awesome here. So anyway, Sarn in Job 38, it said, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I lay the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked shall be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of the light? And where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt, to bring rain on a land where no man is? On the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land, and to make the ground sprout with grass. Has the reign of Father, or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth, or who has given birth to the frost of heavens? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? And can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are! Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can tilt the waterskins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion, or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food? Thirty-eight talks about, for the most part, the uh, God's relationship with the inanimate parts of His creation, right? The storehouses of hail and snow and lightning. 39 goes on to talk about how God's relationship with the crawling things of the earth are. Right? Awesome passage. I, I encourage you to read it because it is beautiful and awesome. Uh, but in 40, God kind of concludes his, his part right here. It reads this. And the Lord said to Job, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. This is God saying to Job, will you challenge me? Will you challenge me, Job? Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer. Twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God, and can you thunder with a voice like his? The rest of 40 and 41 talk about the behemoth and the Leviathan, which are these amazing just like beasts of the ancient world and uh, just about how mankind still can't conquer it. And when I'm telling you amazing, like legit, the Leviathan, if you guys haven't done any research on it, is like, it's a dragon. Like, it has scales that can't be pierced, and it literally, like, Read Job 41, it breathes fire, and it's also this amazing, it breathes fire, I'm not joking, like that's true, Uh, but uh, it's also this allegory for uh, Satan, and it's just this amazing thing, and God's like, you guys can't do nothing about it, but I can. Anyway, just please like read all of this, 38 through 42 is like one of my favorite passages in the whole, in the whole Bible, it's so amazing, but here we see the right understanding of God. Right? We see the right understanding of God because Job or God presents himself and he just says, Job, do you know the things that I know? Job, do you do you know where the storehouses of hail are for times of trouble and war and strife? Job, have you told the sea that it can go this far and no farther? Job, do you even know the parts of the land that need rain? Because Job, I do. And you don't. And guys, we just see how great God is and how amazing he is. And when we see how big and, and amazing he is, it's just, we just can't compare. There's so many can you's, have you's, will you, could you in, in this passage. And if you were to go through and read all of those, I know when I've done it, it's, it's a fat zero. Like I don't know a diddly squat of any of these things, right? And it it just, you just see how small you are. And the big the big point is, is like, We don't have all the answers, and that was never our job. Our job was never to know all these things, right? I remember um, I was, I am a summer camp counselor, right? I'm going back for my fourth year, which I'm pretty stoked about, but we would always have these kids who would be like, Thomas, Thomas, when are we going to lunch? When are we going to rest period? What are we doing after rest period? What's our competition for today? When's swim period? And you're like, oh my gosh, dude, please, like, I promise you. Summer's best two weeks takes very good care of, like, the schedule. You will be where you need to be and when you need to be there, right? Summer's best two weeks is the the summer camp I go to. So you're like, in case you're like, what the heck is this dude talking about? But so often we are like that kid. We're like, God, why, why, when, when is this going to happen? What's going to happen? But that's just not our job. Our job isn't to know all that the world has to offer our job isn't to know every single thing in our life our job is to hold fast to the one who does to hold fast to God who does know who can loose the cords of Orion and who has lightning bolts come up to him and say hey God where should we go where do you want us to be at that's the one who we're supposed to hold fast to right something amazing is Job did ask why right Job said God why is this happening and this is God's answer, right? God came and just said, Job, do you know the things I know? He never said, Job, it was actually a ploy from Satan who, who did all these things to see if you would stay true or not. He, he didn't say that. He said, Job, do you send rain on the desert when the, when the dust starts to clod together? Are you able to feed the raven when it's looking for food? That's his answer to Job. He says, Job, I have these things covered. Just trust in me. Like, look, look at Job's life. It's, it's like good thing. Like, the front half, just good, good, good. And then, boom, bad, bad, bad. And then, I don't mean to spoil it, but things get good for Job again. And then it's good, good, good. And at the end of Job's life, he's looking back and never once had a clue of all this stuff. He just saw this great trial And he just had to trust, and and he just trusted God through it all. And through that, we get to see the right understanding of God. Or the right relationship with God, pardon me. And this is in Job 42, starting in verse 1. It reads this, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. We see the the right relationship restored here, because Job says, God, you're right. I didn't know. I was out of place. I I shouldn't be approaching anybody like a prince, God, much less you. Lord, I don't know. I haven't been to the recesses of the deep. I haven't guided any, the bear and his children in the sky, Lord. I haven't, I don't know where the gate of darkness is, Lord. I just don't know these things, but you do, and Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And the great thing is that God said, yes, of course I'll forgive you, Job, yes, I want to see that relationship restored. And God did restore that relationship. And not only that, but he also restored Job's possessions, which is like a bonus on top of that. He, he got more kids, which I don't know if that's whatever. He got more kids. His wife came back. He got all, more land, more livestock, uh, and, and he was healed, right? He got these physical, uh, like, uh, redemption. Like, he was physically redeemed as well. And guys, I can relate a lot to Job because I didn't, I didn't know what the heck was going on my senior year of high school, right? But looking back on it, God redeemed me too because he showed me, he came to me and said, Thomas, you need me. You can't keep trying to do this on your own. And so I came, I came to know Christ and I ended up at some rinky-dink, Russell, Louisiana school, right? I'm telling you, it wasn't Louisiana that turned me down, right? Like, it, it was another school. I came to Louisiana Tech, and it has been the best thing that has happened to me. I, I got to know, I came to know Christ. I got plugged into a church. I made friends who, who point me towards Jesus Christ, and ultimately, I've learned so many things, and if I ever went to that other school, this would have never happened, this was God's plan, and it's great to look back in, in hindsight and be able to say, hey God, like I can see that you were working. Thank you. But that's not always the case, but, but the truth still holds that he wants to see each and every one of us redeemed. Right? He wants to see you redeemed. And when we see how big and great God is, we get to see how great of a sacrifice Jesus Christ is. And how great of a cost it was to God. Because think about it. The God who created the universe, the God who is great and mighty that, I, I hope you guys take this away, right? That God's big and God's mighty because I just keep freaking saying it and I'm, I'm hoping that it's picking up. But the God who is so amazing and so great, he could have said, hey, you guys, I gave you guys a chance and, and you guys turned it away. You said, no, nah, I'm good. I want to do whatever I want. And he could have said, all right, forget y'all. Go ahead, try to get into heaven some other way. Right? He would have been 100% justified in doing that. But instead, the God of the universe, the God who looses the cord of Orion and who, who set the cornerstone of the earth, said, I want you. I want you so bad that I'll send Jesus Christ down to live the perfect life, the life that no one here was able to do. And not only that, but the God of the universe who's all great and mighty, had Jesus Christ die. Die the death that we deserved. That we deserve. The God of the universe gave his only son for us. And not only that, but Jesus Christ came and lived and died and then defeated death and resurrected so that we could also resurrect with him. The God of the universe did this so that you could be redeemed. So that the relationship between you and God could be made right. Because he loves you. He loves you that much. And you might say, Thomas, I have no problem understanding that God loves every other person in this room. That's not hard for me to understand. But what's hard for me to understand is that God loves me. Because I've done some wicked things, I've done some things that were wrong. I have trouble understanding that. And yeah, I don't, I don't know the wicked things that you may or may not have done, but I can tell you that I've done some bad things in my past too. I, I would turn to turn to drugs for comfort. I would, I would go to drinking for comfort. I, I lived for the approval of others. I lived, I, I, would, I was addicted to pornography. I sought that for comfort. I, I sought literally every other thing in life for comfort other than Jesus Christ himself. And you know what? God didn't say, hey Thomas, it's all right, let's just, Sweep that under the rug. We'll just act like that never happened. That's not a big deal. Whatever. No, God said, I know! I know that you did that, Thomas. I know that you did those things. I know what you did Friday. I know what you did last night. I was pierced for that. Don't think that didn't hurt. But I love you that much that I still sent Jesus for you. That's how much I want you. The price that the Lord of the universe paid, the one who created all of this. And Jeremiah says they weighed out the oceans in the palm of his hand and measured out the stars with the span of his fingers. This God loved you that much that he's willing to redeem you and send Jesus Christ to die in your place. So as the band comes up, I just I just want to ask you a, cou- a couple things. Like, what what is keeping you back from this? What what is holding you back from giving your life from, to Christ? Because God is the one who has the the manual to life. He knows what makes a human happy. John 10:10 10, 10 says that Jesus Christ came to give life and life abundantly. And let me tell you, being happy is not getting a car or the house or the girlfriend or the boyfriend that you want. It's being reunited to the God of the universe. And that's the only relationship that will ever make you happy, that will ever set you right. So let me ask again, what is it that is holding you back? If you're looking for a grand sign to to come to Jesus... I'm not saying I'm a grandson, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, do not wait. Don't wait another day, don't wait another week, do, don't even wait another second. My friend Dane here died when he was 17 and two months old. I buried him before we even got to go to senior year of high school. Tomorrow's not guaranteed, so what's holding you back? I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if you fall on your face or come to the altar or just stay in your pew, but, but cry out to God and say, God, I don't have this all together. Everything that I touch falls apart. I've been chasing this and chasing that and all it's left me is lonely. All that's left me is broken and angry. I can't do this anymore, God. I need you. Maybe you're a Christian and your, and your thoughts have been your your understanding of God has been under it's been tugged and pulled that come to him today and get right with him say lord i've been putting myself on the throne again lord i've gotten some things wrong jesus i need you whatever it is do not wait do not wait this is the most important thing that you can do let's pray Dear Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you that you loved us enough to not not only just give us your word, Lord, but to give us Jesus Christ, Lord, we don't deserve that we, we don't deserve anything but death and punishment, but God, you who who has fed the ravens and know when to give rain and lightning bolts ask where they need to go, God, you loved us enough to to make what we made wrong right again, Lord. So I pray that would weigh heavy on us, and Lord, that we wouldn't walk away here the same person that we came, came as, Lord. Convict us, move us, Lord, and make us more like you. I pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.